0: Welcome to the Massive Action podcast where we interview mainly top real estate entrepreneurs and also other entrepreneurs in Singapore that are dominating the space they are in and how these people is choosing not to live a life of mediocrity creating for themselves and their family an amazing life and having a huge impact on others and the society at the same time through massive action and now here's the latest episode of the Massive Action podcast Alright, hey everyone, this is Casey here again, bringing you another episode of a Massive Action Podcast where we interview entrepreneurs, dive deep into their mindset and also how they are able to take massive action to achieve massive success. Today, we are super excited to introduce to you one of my good friends, founder of Home Central, top agent and all-around achiever in Singapore's real estate industry. Hi, Lorraine. This Hi. This is Lorraine Tan here. Maybe give us like a quick 30 seconds to 1 minute introduction of yourself.
1: I'm a real estate agent with Propnex. And I created the um, Facebook page, Home Central. And we're well known for using videos, you know, creative scripts to market our properties and put them on our platforms, which are Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, so on our social media platforms, we also put up property educational content We answer questions that we commonly face uh, when we meet our clients. You can find those all on our platforms.
0: Okay, good to hear. Thank you so much for doing that. I think very importantly is that when I talk to achievers and top achievers, it's not uh, suddenly they they get to that stage or or get to become top achiever. I always like to dive deep and dive back into actually when and when does this... uh, Because I feel that real estate agents are entrepreneurs, right? It's just that the product they're selling is real estate. They're in the real estate industry, right? So, when and how this entrepreneurship like, spirit in you actually came out, you know? Maybe when you're young, selling like laminate stands or stuff like that.
1: I think I really never thought of myself. I mean, as an entrepreneur, it, it just maybe sort of dropped into my lap. Before I became a real estate agent, I was actually running my own uh, soft furnishing company. So, we were doing things like curtains, blinds, sofa coverings and things like that. So, because it was my own business and I had to find ways to get business so that was where I thought about how I was going to market my company, my services, and it, it started from there. Some of the things that I used to do previously in my in that company translated into my marketing strategies also when it came to real estate. Lah. Like for example, back then I did a lot of Facebook marketing also, reaching out to uh homeowners. So in the same way, when I came to Real Estate, that was one of the go-to platforms that I used when I just started out.
0: Uh, very interesting because I haven't heard of anybody really just stepping out of school and then just starting your own business. Is this, is this your first like career out of school or, or bef- uh, you know, after school you have, yeah, yeah, working in somewhere else, corporate Singapore or something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, so, my first job was uh, in banking. However, I after working for some time in, in the um, corporate environment, I felt that maybe I wanted a job that would allow me to have more autonomy, exercise my creativity to try to get more businesses, you know, rather than the typical channels that were available back then. I wanted to be able to feel like I was in control of my career. My family was uh, in this soft furnishing business. However, my mom was working more on a lot, focusing a lot more on uh, hotel furnishings. So that, that was what she was doing. So for my company, it was more focused on residential furnishing.
0: Yeah, interesting. Uh, how long were you in the banking industry? I
1: think it was about two years.
0: Which department you are in and, and stuff like that?
1: Because my background is from, uh, was mechanical engineering in NTU. So so they put me in uh, the back end side, uh, you know, where I was calculating commissions for the bankers. Then after that, I felt that it was a little bit repetitive and um probably not, not really my area of interest. Then I requested to frontline department because I was in the offshore banking. Then they put me in client acquisition department. So that was my first job. How long did it last? In total, in the bank was about two years.
0: Wow, well, interesting because I never knew. You know, We, we know each other for, for so long but uh, this, this thing never came out. I was a banker last time as well right, in a local bank. I didn't know we shared that history as well. Okay, so after two years, what actually triggered you to say that- that you know this is not for me anymore right I, I just want to get out and actually I feel right a lot of people even myself included when I was then in the banking industry is that a lot of people know what they don't like but they have this fear to really step up of a good pay every month end of month right or start of month you'll catch your pay how do you manage to actually overcome that fear and actually really step up either a family business or even right now in the real estate industry?
1: I guess because of the support of my husband because at that point of time he was holding a fixed pay job so we felt like you know we led quite simple lives so as long as one of us had some you know basic income we wouldn't it was more important to find what we really enjoyed to do enjoyed doing that's why I took the opportunity you know while he was having a fixed pay job
0: was was it he, was it he your, your your boyfriend then, or is it already uh, uh, a husband? Husband, husband yeah. Already. husband. Okay. Yeah. So when when did, you, when did you start dating and then get married?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thankfully for for me, well, was quite blessed in, in this area, So So started dating, uh in university, first boyfriend and husband, and then yeah. So from uni from uni days
0: okay great so you step out of banking then you straight go to your family business which is soft furnishing right you're saying
1: yes soft furnishing
0: how long were you in that you know soft furnishing business
1: I was in there for about 2 years yeah also 2 years
0: okay then what changes that you decide to step up?
1: I think fundamentally is that I'm not so interested in the product that I'm selling, like curtains, blinds, or all those. I mean, it's not something that I'm super passionate about, but I do like running the business, um, finding ways to market our services, getting clients, and then watching the business grow. I enjoyed that aspect of it. But I think fundamentally, when it came to the products, you know, it wasn't something that I was passionate in recommending. And so I just wanted to see if there was something more you know, than then what I was doing.
0: Okay, interesting. Then, from soft finishing, although it's a little bit related, what made you decide to jump into rest? Do you, do you have someone you know or you know of this industry?
1: The opportunity presented itself when I was, um, because I I stayed in a BTO and then we were reaching for the five-year mark. So I was thinking that I could just uh, get the license, try to market my own property. I mean, that would be a real purpose for me to go and study. It won't be for nothing, you know.
0: Save a little bit of money, save a bit of commission. That's what a lot of people are thinking about, isn't it? Yeah. Okay.
1: Then, um then, once we sell, we will also need to purchase. So I thought that you know, just by taking the exam, the exam doesn't cost that much, right? I already enjoy all these benefits, so I thought I might as well just take the the license and then also explore if this could be a possible career path
0: great so so how how did that turn out? you know you you obviously took the exam, obviously you passed it, mm-hmm. right? Then what happened?
1: After I passed then, I started to go out to get clients to talk to them about uh to try and help them to see what were their housing needs. So I stayed in an area that was reaching MOP, right? So a lot of them were looking to sell their properties. Yeah, so so that was how I started. I helped a lot of my neighbours sell their properties and being part of the process, I felt like I was really, like my services were really valued uh, and that was something that I didn't feel as much when I was doing soft furnishing, uh, you know? Because end of the day, it's just their curtains. But when it came to selling their property and then helping them to transit to the next place, I felt that I, I could really feel that they appreciated my value, that I was really giving more value to clients. uh. So I felt that it was very rewarding then. Yeah.
0: I see. Very interestingly, because we started almost at the same time. I saw your whole journey throughout, even on social media, even as a friend. What sets you apart that, you know, people are choosing you over the others?
1: I think timing also played an important part because where I was thinking it was one of the first few blocks in Pongo area to reach a minimum occupation period. And then I was also hungry to get started. It was also the consistency in which I would doorknock. And at that point in time, there were not that many agents who were doing it because maybe people didn't know that, weren't so aware of this whole MOP thing where, you know, there would be a lot of demand from people who want to sell their, their flats. It was probably the con- consistency, the earnestness, sincerity in trying to help them, you know, even as a new agent that probably got me those, um, you know, units for sale.
0: Yeah, interesting. Uh, I also know that you're one of the first few agents that really utilize a lot of video home tours. Maybe speak a little bit about that. How, how do you discover, how do you first step in and why do you manage to be really the first mover out there?
1: Because I was also already posting a lot of content on my Facebook page already, but it mostly consisted of photos, you know, professional photos. So even back then, not many agents were taking professional photos, right? So then, of course, um, I, I always try to think of how I can improve the listing and how also I could market myself better as well. Before Home Central came about, the page was actually named Bongo Singang Property, So it was quite faceless, you know, there wasn't a personal touch. So, you know, after... Um, consistently putting up some content, I felt like the next step would be to introduce a more personal touch. So the first thing I did was a profile video to share with people who I am and you know what I, how I can help them, what kind of services I provide. So that was the, the first thing. Then there were quite good responses. Uh. Then I also, one of the first units that I did the home tour video for was a uh, EA that had only two bedrooms left. So you know, that because they, they did massive renovations and in the end there were only sort of like two bed two, two main bedrooms. Lah. So I know that if I were to market these properties just on the property portals, right, then it will likely attract buyers who are not suited for that property because typically people look for EA because there's many bedrooms. So then because I saw the sucks sort of like the response from doing one video, and I decided to try doing a home tour video for that unit. And then the response was really, really good. You know, people who made, weren't not even interested in the location, but because they were intrigued by the design, they liked the design of the place, they came down and made an offer. So, because of that success, right, then I started to offer these home tour videos to every single client who entrusted me with the sale.
0: Right. Interesting. Right. So, how did Home Central comes about?
1: Home Central. <laughs>
0: yeah, because previously you were saying that, you know, your page is just Pongo mm. Singang for sale, yes, right, yeah. faceless. You started a profile video. Then, when do you really start with Home Central and why?
1: Because increasingly, I also found, felt that there were more and more agents that were also starting to do video, home tour videos. And for us, we want to focus on producing content that we feel is good quality. We put a lot of effort in coming up with the scripts that we write for our clients' homes. We wanted people to as- associate this quality with a brand. So that was why we came up with Home Central.
0: Very interesting. So I also found that you are the only agent, right? The, the only the real estate salesperson. That sometimes do not appear in your in your video. Why why so? Because I think you are the only one, right? A lot of people <laughs> a lot of people want to be inside their own video, but why do you swap it out?
1: Because increasingly I felt presentation to me it's is one aspect of um of, of the marketing. But a big portion is also on following up, coming up with the marketing strategies, following up very closely with buyers who have previously viewed, updating the sellers. And for me these these parts are very very important and what I found from um, being involved in the videos is that it takes time away from doing these very very important things and these are actually quite high valued activities you know following up the bike because that will determine whether we get a closing or not for the unit but of course presentation is still very important so that's why even when we were selecting the presenter for our videos we actually held a couple of auditions casting calls. And then from there, we went with someone who we felt was really good in presentation.
0: And also represented yeah. your brand well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, statistics all right, always shows that 90% of the agent fail in their first year and also another 90% of those remaining fail in the next three years. How do you manage to have the success that you have now and it's been four or even five years now already?
1: I think innately, I am quite a competitive person already. So, I will always try to think what are things that I can do better. I will review things that have been working and how can I pump more resources into those things that are working well and probably I'm weaker at how can I improve on those things. So I think just constantly reviewing what I'm doing and making sure that I I make improvements. That's how I've been able to, to stay consistent for the past three years that I've been in the business.
0: Great, interesting. So before the show itself, you also chat about you recently started to build out a team, right? For your content base. How's that journey like? Maybe describe it to us.
1: Definitely, it, throughout the process, we, we had some, there, there will always be some challenges. Sometimes the hires were not suitable and then we would have to quickly react to to replace. But of course, then along the way, I'm blessed to have very good partners to work with, like my presenter. So so she was the first one. So she understands what our standards of home tour videos are. And she's really good at planning scenes and for the shoots. Knowing how to advise sellers to declutter the place, very, very presentable.
0: So that's number one, right? So that that was, was the sec- first one. So what was the second hire?
1: So then second one would, of course, be um, my PA. How
0: oh, does that help, you know, hiring a PA?
1: It helps a lot in making sure that things like planning, scheduling, very carefully taken care of, especially when it comes for viewings, right? We would get a lot of requests to view. So it's very important that she helps with the tracking to make sure that we don't miss out any opportunities, just administrative work. I mean, all these things, it has helped me to just really focus on probably the higher value parts of real estate you like know it. yeah real estate
0: i think speaking of uh from my own experience as well hiring is, is not easy right because we are often uh, coming from a place of scarcity because i hire and I have to pay this person a fixed salary right and then uh i'm not not even sure whether or not i can occupy the entire day you know have off work for them any tips from hiring you have a like elaborated interview process or how do you go out there and manage to find good people and great people for your team
1: I don't really have a very, very um elaborate process when it comes to hiring. But I think just when we meet the person, first and foremost, they have to be on time. Like, you know, just, just a show up. Because we, we've had situations whereby, you know, quite irresponsible, didn't show up. Then after that, when we speak to them, we kind of get a sense of their attitude. So for me, number one thing that I look out for is things like, Willingness to learn, to improve, teachability. So if I see aspects like that, then those will be things that I look out for rather than the actual capabilities. Maybe like, like let's say for a PA, it's okay if if there are some things that she does not know how to do, some programs that she doesn't know. But most importantly, willing to- to
0: Willingness to learn. Yes, willingness to
1: learn. Yeah, so.
0: Are you big on the DISC? Because uh, I think both you and me are a lot on the D and I, right? Dominant and influence. And a lot of time when people talk about PA and they are there, they need to be more on the S and C quadrant. Are you more familiar with the uh, DISC? Or uh, is this one of the components when you hire out for or no? you just go in, feel the person, <laughs> right? yeah. and then maybe try out for a, a few weeks and then we see how it goes. Yes, on. yes. I think yeah. very important. So, as well, right? so
1: for, for me, not so much on the like technical aspects, but of course it can sort of click with the the person that I'm hiring and then yeah.
0: It's important to you, That's right? important, yeah. The with the team, the clicking with the person. All right, so you're actually everywhere on social media, right? Let us know, right, what is the strategy now as compared to when you first started? Because when you first started, you're saying that you just offer all the, you know, video walkthrough or tours. Has it changed? If it does, then what is it changing to?
1: So, right now, probably rather than just doing home tour videos, it's also important to showcase, you know, other aspects of, of um, our real estate that we we can handle. So um, that would be the um, educational videos. So these educational videos we try to because when we meet clients, we always get a sense of what kind of questions they, they typically ask. You know, so usually I will capture these questions, you know review things that they have already asked me before then i would make educational videos on those questions like absd or all, all those kind of questions processes that they have then um, the other one is new launch for this new launch series we aim to do a very objective review on projects we also try to answer questions that a lot of people are wondering about certain projects you know sort of like Addressing the elephants in, in the room sometimes because I mean no point doing just a run-of-the-mill kind of a new launch analysis or review. For example, one of the most more recent uh, new launch videos that we did was on Sengkang Grand Residences. We realized for this particular project, sometimes they question: is the price fair? So these are questions that we hear about the project and we try to address them in the videos. Uh. Yeah. So for each video, we aim to give an objective review and analysis for the new launches
0: great great. because up till recently I saw a lot of video and it's really interesting you have one title it's easy fairly priced right now right still worthwhile to buy right is that uh, integrated development have any sort of potential upside and stuff like that right okay great Going outside of the social media and also content, other than social media, actually what percentage of your close sales lead source comes from your own sales or sphere uh, of influence, meaning friends and family, or cold prospecting or is everything just really centered around social media?
1: I would say 80% of my clients are from social media. <laughs> That's mainly my main form of prospecting. Then probably 20% would be based on referrals, uh, probably referrals from past clients. Friends and family, not so much at the moment.
0: Probably when when you start doing a bit more, then probably friends and family will add some. Okay, so next up, let's see you are so focused prospecting on the internet marketing side, right? The social media marketing side. Because you are also working in your business. A lot of times, it is very tough to be working in the business and also working on the business. So how do you get to go to so many presentations with the sellers and the buyers and still manage to, at the background, running all this, probably paid ads, right? I'm guessing, right? Pay ads on, uh, wh- where do you run all your social media?
1: Running as in- um, Which
0: platforms do you use?
1: Like, you mean Facebook? Is that what you're-
0: mean? Is it mainly Facebook? Facebook,
1: um, mainly Facebook, but we're also on Instagram and YouTube. Yeah, but mainly Facebook.
0: Right, so, so how do you run your prospecting on Facebook? We I mean, share a little bit with us. I think a lot of people will be wondering- I guess everybody start off like doing it themselves, right? Because you you have a little bit of experience when you're saying that at a soft furnishing business and then that actually translate to the real estate industry. So before we started, you were saying that you already outsourced that part out and you don't do it uh, yourself.
1: At the start, I did it myself, but then subsequently I outsourced it because I feel that they will probably be more efficient in managing the ads. So I I currently outsource the, the ads to our digital marketers it's a vendor, yeah.
0: Is that pros and cons with outsourcing? We just let us know? Because a lot of people want to, like you know, wash their hands off digital marketing and just outsource it, ho- hoping all the leads will come in. I, I, and I don't think that is a case still, right? You still have to handhold and stuff like that. What are the obstacles that you face or what is the good things with hiring out, you know, with digital marketers?
1: I think for for me, it saves time in having to go to my ads manager you know to make the tweaks and things like that, but you know I just sort of communicate with them on what I want, and then also sort of um have them put in their expert views and opinion on how I should run the strategies. But of course, myself previously I've also taken up some digital marketing course, so I sort of know what they are also telling me. Not hundred percent, um, you know sometimes I question what they are also they're doing, and then if it makes sense, then I'll follow what they are uh, they have uh, proposed.
0: Is there any obstacle along the way that you have to overcome with handing out your entire marketing side of Facebook out to another you know person or another agency?
1: Currently, I mainly hand out the part on the targeting, the running of ads. But in terms of content management, it's something that I handle myself. Planning of our content schedule, that's also something that I do. So after I plan the content schedule, I will send it to them so that they, they will help me with the posting. So that also helps me to save some time. La.
0: I think a lot of people always feel that it's either it's a return on time or a return on effort, right? If, let's say, they do not have resource to really go out and run all these sponsor ads, people always force to, oh, maybe we're going to do cold calling, we're going to go do cold door knocking. But once, I think it's at that stage whereby right? you are able to grow, right, and able to hand off. It is also not so smooth whereby right? we just give the agency the leash and then let, it, let them run with it. it we always, always have to handhold them, isn't it? Because,
1: That's what I've uh, realized as well. Yeah, it is important to um, know what kind of content that you want to to do rather than just outsourcing because end of the day, we are the ones that are in the business. We know what will resonate with clients, what their questions are. So that would be producing relevant content. So if sometimes if we do outsource it completely to another vendor, then the quality would not be the same just because they're not in the business. Uh.
0: I also have been following you very closely and I think more and more of your listing goes outside of the Pongos income. How do you handle all of this? It could be, you know, sometimes it could be in Jurong, Yishun and something. How do you manage to manage all these different listing?
1: I work together with my partner, Kelvin. So that's how we, we make sure that we have the manpower to attend to every, you know, viewing request. We just create the capacity to do so uh, according the, that's how the business grows. So for now, we are able to attend to every single. We will make sure we don't miss any viewing requests. Yeah.
0: Do you have a partner in each part of Singapore or you just have a, like a, another person to have you run uh, as opposed to solo?
1: Mainly just me and Kelvin running. Yeah, We don't typically outs, you know source to, to another agent because to me, it's also quite important hand-holding the clients throughout the process. So normally, we try to sort of manage all the listings together.
0: What is the future for Home Central? What do you envision it Home Central to be? Probably one year down the road, three years down the road, or even five years down the road.
1: For me, how I envision Home Central is that to be a brand that you know represents um good quality, trusted services that people can turn to when it comes to selling their place, making recommendations for their homes, for new homes, for the next home. Yeah, so a a place where they can get good, trusted services from ethical agents. Uh. yeah. So that is. That, that one-stop place where they can go to to find out information, to approach us, whatever their housing needs are.
0: I see. Are you growing your team? Right, no buyers agents, more seller agents, more listing agents of, of the likes?
1: That is something that, I mean, that, that is a, definitely a possibility, but we take it one step at a time. Yeah.
0: I understand. Alright, so thank you so much for the interview about all the works. I think a lot of times I love all this podcast, you know, other people's podcasts is that it, it's not just work. Setting aside the work side, is there any daily routine or or even morning routine that you do follow to keep yourself in line, keep yourself motivated and productive for the day? Is there a daily routine or morning routine for that matter?
1: So typically to ensure the next day is quite efficient or effective, I usually plan out my tasks the night before because of the kind of content that we produce and also the things that we need to do for our clients, right? So it can change Every day, every week. So in order to make sure that the next day is effective, I'll usually plan the day before.
0: Is that a set routine every day? You, you wake up at 6 o'clock, you go to work out and stuff like that, and you come home, read a bit and stuff like that. You know, is there like a, a routine that you do follow in the morning or, you know, it's just whatever that needs done, right? Yeah, the, whatever the night, that needs the done. The night before, you set it out.
1: Yeah, whatever that needs to be done the night before, I will have set it out, you know, plan. So typically, I will already have like a tentative calendar already because we already have a content schedule, right? So I already have a tentative one. Then the night before, I will just make sure that I get everything settled. Then the next day, I'll just plan my tasks accordingly based on location where I need to be.
0: So that's a daily routine, right? It's start the night before. I think this is really, really good advice. So how do you juggle work and life? Right? Because I think in this line, work is life a lot of time. Right? How do you do that? We found that, it, myself included, when it comes crunch time, high pressure, you really will be very flustered. Plus the fact that sometimes when deals don't go through or when deals don't don't go that well, we will get really short tempered and stuff like that. And and I think the most affected person in that will be your family. How do you balance right work and life and also a relationship for that matter?
1: I think for for me, I have quite an understanding family and husband, so they're quite understanding in the time that I put towards my work.
0: But how do, you, how do you balance it out? If let's say a call come in, then I have to take it and, or, and like 99% of, of your time is work or, or is there some sort of like time whereby, okay, it's family time, it's some sort of time where it's, it's work time, they that that separate out. How do you manage that? Because I understand that, you know, sometimes clients do depend on us, right? For a lot of their needs. And sometimes when a deal is closed and stuff like they do require a lot of hand holding. But of course, we are human too, right? We do also have family. We also need to maintain that our relationship. Is there something that other than, of course, fortunately to have an understanding family, anything that you set out to do such that you don't neglect that part of your life?
1: For my family, we usually make a point to arrange meals. Yeah, so that's how I, I set aside time for Is them. Is there so like a I, time
0: blocking of, of certain days in the week whereby you guys will, will sit it's down? Not, yeah, it. It.
1: It's not fixed, but... Um, we do have that consistently.
0: As much as possible, uh, I guess.
1: Then for my husband, he also puts a lot of time into his work also, so he totally understands and we both have our own thing going. So for us, um, usually the time that we spend will be at night. Then sometimes we take drives, we talk and all that. So that's how we spend quality time together. And then on days that maybe a little, I have some time off or things like that, then sometimes we take a little short trips to Malaysia. Just to have that quality time together.
0: Okay, great. So, what do you do for self development? Because it's really important, right? I think lifelong learning is our government is reaching and stuff like What do you do to continuously improve yourself?
1: What I typically do is I kind of seek help. <laughs> so, it can be like attending courses. Yeah. So, sometimes or getting trainings from my mentors in Prop Next.
0: A lot of times, just, just in time learning.
1: Yeah. I get help from them. And then um attending courses uh, because Courses such as
0: what? Recently you you're saying that you, you attended a, a video editing course.
1: Yeah, video video editing. So
0: Because I, I don't think the general average people out there will be like, Oh, let, let's go attend a, a, a video editing course, right? Because it's capital up front. Why do you want to do that?
1: So I think when it comes to self development, it could be things that it was not planned for initially, but because there are some demands from my work because now right now as a real estate agent it's not just um we are also that there's all these video marketing or all these other aspects, right? And if we really want to improve the standards, sometimes we ourselves, we have to know what our videographers and all that they are facing and then how we can better communicate and work, work with them. So then I started to learn all this, happened to learn, start having to learn these different aspects, uh, which I had not initially planned to do or taking digital marketing courses. So self-development, I think also talking to people who are Stronger at certain things than I am and then learning from them so that's something that I do and then once I I speak to them I try to put into practice what they have done and the good thing about I think this real estate profession is that the learning curve is very very steep there will always be a lot of things to learn adapt so even if I had not particularly sort out the self-development it is necessary to stay competitive it is necessary to continually grow i love it
0: i love it when you say you know you go approach people and to learn because uh, they always say good artists uh, copy great artists steal right just you know steal those people that they are doing well about where they're doing and just you know just collect their feedback and then just do it already right just walk down those difficult treacherous path right Okay, if you could give your younger self, right, Lauren, uh, if you could give your younger self, let's say your younger self when you first just step out of university at NTU, right, graduating with a bachelor, give your younger self two pieces of advice to accelerate the success that you have right now. What would that be?
1: I think it was necessary for me to go through some, some, you know. Yeah, some some of the the things to make me. So. Because, the,
0: because the, the reason for this question is that I think a lot of viewers out there are also real estate practitioner, right? They will want to know, you know, as successful as you are today, if let's say you can turn back time, what advice could you actually give them? Actually not giving yourself, but what advice could you give, you know, beginning real estate salesperson?
1: I mean, the, the only thing that I would, Because end of the day, when it comes to advising someone else, it's a little bit different because I think everyone should plan their strategies based on their strength. The kind of advice that I'll probably give myself like two or three years ago would probably be more on strategy wise that I felt that maybe I tried certain things that didn't work. You know in the past and caused me to waste some time then i would probably tell myself what to focus on but from the start for me it's always been just go out and try just go out and try so so that's why i kind of not have any regrets or anything from two to three years ago because at each point i felt that i had tried my best i had given my best i don't really have any regrets or anything but maybe two three years later knowing how things hand out right Probably not to focus on certain strategies and do my business a little bit more different, that kind of advice, lah.
0: Great. All right. Thank you so much, Laureen, for your time. Right. We have a lot of deep conversation and great content. And so, uh, how do people get hold of you? Whether or not if let's say they are interested to join your team or um, they want to send some referral to you, right? How do they get hold of you?
1: They can just drop me a WhatsApp or give me a call. Yeah, my no, what's number, the
0: number? 97997955. There's a website that they can go to visit as well?
1: Yeah, they can visit our website at homecentral.com.sg. Your Facebook
0: page? Facebook page
1: is just by Home Central.
0: Alright, great. So everything will be linked down in the video description as well. right? If let's say anyone of you guys feels that Lauren is a good mentor and would like to join her team, or uh, have anyone that is a great referral to her, do send her all of these on the website and the Facebook. And also, graciously, she put out her phone, own phone number on this podcast. All right, so if this episode does give you value, do go out to any of your podcast app and give us a five-star rating review. And our target is to get 100 review before the end of the year. And also give a shout out to uh, Lauren who gave us her precious time today. All right, anything else to add, uh, Lauren, in this podcast before we close out?
1: think that that's that's it. I mean, that's all I have.
0: All right. Thank you. Again, this is the end of the Massive Action Podcast. Thank you.